Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you on a cold Sunday morning. I'm always looking forward to the opportunities that I can share with you, and I really hope that you leave with a word of hope and encouragement today. And as we're here, and I guess it's the third week of January, it finally feels like January. I've kind of noticed that a lot of people around me are just trying some new and different things this year. So are there some of you that still have a New Year's resolution that you are trying to keep? Show of hands. Surely some of you have a New Year's resolution. It might be a new spiritual practice you're adopting, or maybe it's a lifestyle change relating to exercise or something like that. Or do any of you have like a word of the year? Are there any of you out there? I know people do that because I see that on Facebook. Now, I haven't adopted a word of the year because I'm not at all sure that I could stay focused on a word of the year, and I don't really want to set myself up for failure. But recently, in in some of my reading, I was actually listening to a devotional that I started tuning into a couple months ago, and I was... I was struck by some words that just kind of stayed with me. And I started doing some thinking and reflecting as we were heading into the new year and a new decade. It seems like so often I have so many hopes and goals and desires for the new year that I'm not always real focused. We have a lot of goals at church and there are many things that I want to accomplish and I started to wonder, I wonder if there's just one thing that I could do, one area of my life that I could invite God into that might make the most difference in my life and in the lives of those around me, whether it's here at work or at home or in my neighborhood. And... It's that wondering that was inspired by Paul's words from the 12th chapter of Romans that will be the basis for the message today. But before we dive into those words right away, I wanted to just share some learnings from my sermon preparation this week. And I don't preach real often, so when I do, I have to carve away time outside the office. I have to disrupt my routine in some way, or I will likely be drawn back into my emails and the distractions that are going to pull my focus away. So I stayed home one day this week where I was surrounded by my own sermon support team, and they looked like this. (laughs) That's Elmer and Otis and Millie Ray. And Though we did not engage in deep theological discussions, they weren't really all that helpful, but they were there in support of me. So I thought I would share with you some of my learnings this week. I will fully admit to you that I am not the most astute biblical scholar on our staff. So I'm still learning, and I hope that you might find some of these things interesting as well. Most of them relate to the book of Romans that we're going to read from today and give you a little 
context for the message. So the first of those is that the book of Romans is actually the longest of Paul's writings. And it's because it was the longest letter that it was actually put in the very beginning of the collection. So if you turn in your Bibles to the New Testament and find the book of Romans, you'll see that it precedes Ephesians and Corinthians and all of those. And though the meaning and the substance and intent of this book is certainly debated by many, there are many scholars and theologians that really consider this Paul's masterpiece, a book of massive substance, because in many ways it's the most comprehensive of all of his writings. And there's so much depth in the book of Romans anyway, and we are barely going to scratch the surface today, just focusing on one text. And also, like the rest of Paul's letters, Romans is actually the only one that is addressed to a church that Paul was not actually part of. It's not one of the churches he founded, like the ones in Philippi and in Ephesus. And so, in essence, he was writing this letter to a book of strangers and not, in fact, to a, a group that he knew and ministered to very well. And I was really surprised to know that Paul never actually visited the city of Rome at all. He was never there. It was planned on his journey, but he was arrested prior to the time that he actually landed in, in Rome. So, and then there's the unrelated discovery from my sermon preparation, unrelated to anything else, and that is that y'all is a word. And you're probably wondering, why is she telling us that now? But it was in the biblical commentary that I was reading. Literally, the word y'all was used to describe the universal audience that Paul was speaking to. And I'm thinking, who wrote this biblical commentary? They had to be from Nashville or something. But so I looked it up. Y'all is in the Urban Dictionary. It's in Merriam-Webster's online. And it is in the New People's Commentary of the New Testament that I was reading from. So if you take away nothing else today, you have learned that y'all is really a word. So with that, we're going to turn to our reading in Romans. I'll be reading from chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And you can follow along on the screens or open up a Bible in front of you today. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And when I really started to reflect on those words, that's a pretty strong appeal that Paul is actually making. I mean, there's some words in that text that have really rich meaning. And when he talks about spiritual worship, 
Paul is not just talking about what we do here in an hour on Sunday morning. He's talking about worship as a total offering of our lives to God. Spiritual worship being what we do every day with our ordinary lives. After all, we do not just immediately become transformed because we come to church on Sunday and check off our sermon box or show up for our small group or read the Bible. Those may be part of our transformation process, but real transformation starts to take shape and take hold in us when we invite God into all of the different aspects of our life, all the pieces and parts, every hurt, every struggle, every milestone, Every stumbling block is actually an opportunity for God to teach us something, to mold us into his likeness and bring something new out of us. God uses life to bring out something in us that is newer and better. And when we get serious about inviting God into those places of our lives and being really open to what he wants to do in us, God is able to bring out new and beautiful parts of us that we may not even know about. Parts of us that we may not even understand. God can shine through the cracks in us through our brokenness, especially when we're aligned with his will and really in step and in tune with what he is doing in us. And I love the words that are translated in the message on this same text. So I'm just going to ask that you listen to this for a moment. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And what Paul is talking about here is not simply a meager offering. He's talking about a complete and total response where we offer our lives up as a living sacrifice to God. Everything about us, our minds, our souls, our bodies, our will, And that's a pretty big ask. I started thinking about that for myself and wondering, 
you know, what ways might I be completely unaware of ways that I'm conforming to the culture around me and not being open to God's will and direction in my life? I mean, I know I wake up with really good intentions every single day. I bet if I look around this room, I'll bet you would say the same thing, that I wake up and, and I have great intentions. I want to be more like Christ. I want to strive to do better each and every day. And I know for me, though, I've gotten, I've gotten better about the beginning of my day. I can say that there's an honest, prayerful intent daily where I begin my day with thoughts of gratitude and prayers to God. But if I'm being really honest, it just doesn't always last that long. And I'm sure you wake up as well with great intentions. But if I'm being honest, there's this trap that I seem to fall back into. And part of my human nature sometimes takes over very early on in my day. So think about what that might look like in your household. Here's a glimpse of what it might look like in mine from day to day. It could be a quick dive into social media in the morning where I kind of see what's going on with people around me and maybe that comparison game begins. Or maybe it's that really quick step that I take to my to-do list. I mean, what do I need to do today? What am I going to do to win this day and get ahead? And I can't, it's hard to dial back. I'm driven like that. It's just my nature that I want to I get up and accomplish something. And yes, I do work in a church, so you would only think that there are all these great and wonderful godly things on my to-do list daily, but if I let my work consume me and take me completely away from everything else, that's probably not a healthy pattern either. And I can be self-absorbed at times. My family probably sees this as much as anyone. So in the morning, Steve and I have a routine. You know, we're up and we're milling around and, you know, we have our coffee. And we'll, one of us will ask the other, so what do you have going on today? And sometimes I listen very intently to what he's saying to me, and I engage in what it is that he's doing. But occasionally, I'll get this blank stare back from him where he'll say, you just asked me that. I, I just, you just asked me that a few minutes ago. And it's this look of frustration and have you ever been guilty of that where you're where you're there but you're not really there and when i start to see that and recognize some of my tendencies i realize that although my intentions may be really good i keep falling back into this same pattern again 
And I started to wonder, how might I change that? Or do I really want to change that? And Paul's words kept coming back. So I pulled them out again. I read them in another translation. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. And this time, it's the word pattern that stood out to me. And it occurred to me that it's really easy for us to start to identify patterns around us that we'd like to see changed, or patterns in the world that we would like to see changed. You know, people are just too judgmental. There's too much violence in the world. If only people would listen to one another. The world is too harsh. You know, if only this, if only that. And it's, it's easy for us to see those things and identify them. And it's likely that many of us could agree that there are patterns of this world that make us uncomfortable and stir us. We could probably agree on many things that we would love to see changed. But I'm not confident that that's the only way that God wants us to approach that. Because the change that God desires in the world is actually change that needs to start in us. And I think the tougher question for us to try and answer is a question that's a little bit more personal. A question that challenges us to reflect a little bit deeper and look inside ourselves. And sometimes that's hard because we want to protect ourselves from things that challenge us. We, we build up barriers at times and it's hard to see what God needs us to see. So the question that I want to challenge you to think about today is actually this one. It's what pattern in you is most present that you want God to step in and transform? And it may not be a question that you can answer easily. I know for me, it's been a bit of a struggle. It's not easy for me to answer. And I really titled this sermon, Just One Thing, because for over two weeks now, I've been struggling to answer this one question. What's my one thing? What is that one thing about me that I want to invite God into so that he can change me from the inside out and mold me more into his likeness. And I'm still struggling for the answer to that question. But in that pursuit, 
I've gained a little clarity in understanding what God is asking of me from day to day. And it's just simply to be more present to him and aware and drawn to his desire and his will for my life. Because God wants me to let him in. God wants you to let him in. God wants you to let him in to whatever you're struggling with. God wants you to let him in to that relational challenge or that barrier at work. He wants you to let him in to your anxiety or your depression. He wants you to let him in to that habit that you can't seem to kick. God wants you to let him in to your loneliness into whatever challenge it is that you're facing or whatever dream you're pursuing because God loves you. He loves you as you are. He loves you for who you are and God is pursuing you. He loves you for who you're becoming He loves you for what you're beginning to do in your life. God delights in us, in each of us, in all of us, in our steps, in our trials, in our struggles, in our stumbles, in our trying, and in our pursuit of him. And that daily pursuit can begin with just a really, really simple question to ask. God, what are you up to today? And how can I be part of that? 